This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. Entries are now open for the 2021 English Select Yearling Sales Series. The series will again comprise five sales. Classic, Premier, Easter, Gold and the Hunter Thoroughbred Breeders Association May Yearling Sale to be held at Riverside in Sydney and Oaklands Junction in Melbourne. Each of the three primary sales, Classic, Premier and Easter, will retain their regular places on the sales calendar. Following its success this year, the Scone sales will be moved permanently to Riverside on May 2nd and May 3rd and will be rebranded the HTBA Yearling Sale. The Gull Sale in Melbourne will be held on May 16th. To discuss the placement of your yearlings, contact a member of the Inglis Bloodstock team. Cyril Small was just 28 years old when he won the first of 22 races on the horse destined to take him to racing's dizziest heights. Cyril and Vaux Rogue became a celebrated partnership in the late 80s and early 90s with many dashing all-the-way wins in some of Australia's most famous races. Cyril Small is now 61 years old and only recently returned to race riding after an 11-month layoff with severe tendon and ligament damage to his left shoulder, the legacy of a track work mishap on the Gold Coast. Family and close friends were not surprised when the veteran decided to continue because they realise he's driven by two powerful incentives. He's focused on achieving a remarkable 50 years as a race rider and he simply can't kick his obsession for riding racehorses. Cyril has three and a half years to go to reach the magical half-century. He retains fitness by riding regular work for the Toby and Trent Edmonds stable and has the undying support of wife Lindley, sons Braden and Daniel and daughter Jessica. Further to that, he doesn't mind travelling to faraway meetings. Only last Saturday, he was seen plying his trade at Nanango, 200 kilometres from Brisbane. When the 50 years rolls around, I hope Racing Queensland gives Cyril Small an acknowledgement befitting a man who has been an ornament to the industry and I hope a sentimental trainer gets a horse ready to mark this amazing milestone. Three and a half years, Cyril, is a mere blink in time. It'll be here before you know it, mate. Yes, this day and age, it just flies by, doesn't it? So yesterday was a big day. That's Saturday the 12th of September. You rode work at the Gold Coast track, got up about 3am, 200k to Nanango and 200k home. You'd sleep well last night. Yes, I didn't raise my head until about 7 o'clock this morning. It was nice to have a sleep in. 7 o'clock's a sleep in, eh? Yes. <laughs> That's right. I watched you ride a horse called Scaremonger on your first day back at Gatton recently. You ran second and I thought he had every chance. Yes, he's a horse that uh, a friend of mine, a trainer, Lynn Payton, has uh, obtained from South Australia, and that was the first start she gave him. And uh, I, went, I went and rode him for her, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting into the winning circle very soon. I think you will on what we saw the other day at Gatton. He got a fair way back there, probably not suited by the little turning track. 
Yeah, so I think a, a bigger track, he might even be going around at Eagle Farm on next Wednesday if he gets a run in the race. But, uh, yeah, bigger tracks will probably suit him. Now, Cheryl, let's look back on that little mishap last October, which put you out of action for eight to nine months. You were just rolling off the mark to gallop a horse for Toby and Trent, and something went wrong. Yes, he just threw his head to, to, towards the ground, how some horses sometimes do, like sort of a, a playful type move, and just wrenched my shoulder and mm. just tore the ligaments and tendons in my left shoulder. Did you know so you were in trouble? around, sort of riding him one-handed, but yeah. uh, by the time I pulled up and got back in and got off him, I was on the way to the hospital. Did you know you were in trouble straight away? Absolutely, yeah. 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 You've had a fair bit of experience in these matters. Oh, I've had a touch wood. I've had, uh, I think, reasonable luck as far as injury goes. Mm. But um, 2002, I had a fairly bad fall and mm. broke seven vertebrae. Yeah, we'll talk about out. that later. That was a, mm. You were out for a long time. Um, physiotherapy obviously played a major role in this recent injury. Yes, a great part. Um, I've got a good physio here on the Gold Coast and they did a wonderful job. And so it's, it's a matter of time and healing and, and a bit of physio and that, that mm. brings it all back into to working properly again. Mm. Did the thought of retirement enter your head for one moment during this long rehabilitation? No, it didn't. So long as my shoulder come back to um, uh, as good as it was before, I was never contemplating that. Now, Cyril, you're looked upon as a Queenslander, but like Chris Munce, you grew up in Casino, where you were apprenticed to a man called Stan Rayner, an old-time trainer with old-time ideas, and you tell me he was tough but fair. That's what all apprentices say from that same era. Yeah, that's for sure. He was he was a... Um Actually, he's a good friend of my father's through the uh, through the war, mm. and that's how um, my dad knew him. And when I was fourteen and wanting to to become a jockey, um, he said, "Well, I'll go and see Stan and see what we can do there." And from then on, it it, it um, progressed, and I moved into casino from the farm mm. and was apprenticed to Stan for a few years. Uh, had my first ride on fourth of May at casino. Mm. and uh, a few weeks later I rode my first winner there. Mm. And that was for a trainer called Brian Allen, and yeah. the horse was called Wonderbar. Correct, that's right. John. Uh, but you remember the race step by step. Oh, yes, it was a, it was a pretty uh, exciteful day, um, but mm. he bounced to the front and he, he, was, he was too good for them. But you know, I don't mind riding a horse like that at all anywhere. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know... You outrode your country claim in the first 12 months and you must have been showing a bit of promise because Stan Rayner actually tried to get you a spot with Theo Green at Randwick. Yes, well, that first season, full season that I rode, 75-76, mm. uh, I rode 53 winners. I won the Jockeys and the Apprentices Premiership on the Northern Rivers mm-hmm. and that was the same year Malcolm Johnson did the same, did the same in Sydney and they changed the rules as far as claims mm. that you get only you, you had, after sixty odd winners you lost your one and a half. But mm. prior to that year, it was until you were twenty one that you still claim one and a half. Because you started so young, 
you actually did a seven-year apprenticeship, part of it in Brisbane. That's correct. I, after I outrode my allowance on the Northern Rivers, Stan said, well, you know, try and get, make use of your three-kilo claim in, in the city. When he couldn't get me to uh, Sydney, we found Jim Marshall in, in Brisbane. I indentured, changed my indentureship uh, over to him in um, uh, Christmas 78, I think it was. It was, and outrode my um, the rest of my apprenticeship with with uh, Jim. Mm. You still take a sentimental journey to casino every now and again, don't you? If a ride comes up, oh, for sure. I'd have been down there a couple of times in, in the last little while if it wasn't for COVID. Mm. Your first city winner was a horse called Swift Phantom. And then a couple of weeks later, you happened to be the rider of a plunge horse called All Rainbows. Now, this was backed off the map. Which track? Yes, that was at Eagle Farm in a novice handicap. Right. Uh, The horse was trained by Jim Marshall. Yeah. My boss, and uh, J.C. Needham owned the horse. Yeah. Were you aware of the big plonk before you went out? Uh, I thought that they – I knew that they thought – it could win the race. Um, I wasn't aware of the the size of the plunge. Mm. Paper reports the next day, and they've said hundred thousand plus uh, went out of the ring. But uh, yeah, that's not my my part of the business. My no. part is riding the horses and getting them home. Yeah. Now, Cyril, did he draw badly in that race? Yeah, she, I think she drew two or three in that. Oh, good. So you've had a yeah. good run. Oh yes, yep. Mm. Once you got to Brisbane, other trainers started to put you on and you rode frequently in the early 1980s for the late Bruce McLaughlin. Gee, you had a lot of rides for the stable. Yeah, I probably didn't have a lot of rides, but the the ones that I did have, I had a fair bit of success on. Mm-hmm. Gavin Duffy was his main um, jockey at the time, and uh, but there was a few times that uh, he called upon my services and we won a big, big... Um, it was the Queensland's big maiden mm. and uh, a couple of other big races like that. Mm. couple of handy ones you rode for Bruce McLaughlin were referee and a horse called Roro. You'd remember them well. Yeah, the referee was the one that won the big maiden mm. and Roro was one that uh, landed a fair-sized plunge the day I rode him. Mm. Um, I hadn't ridden him previously, but... Uh, but they sort of set the horse up to, to win this particular race and engaged me to ride it. And yeah. It was a good result. Had you ridden for Vic Rail before Vaux Rogue came along? Yes, here, there and everywhere, but uh, not a lot of rides and not a lot of winners. Mm. Probably a couple of winners for him in around the bush and, and provincial areas, but uh, I was – one of many that Vic used to put on. Oh, he sh- switched his jockeys a bit, did he? Yes, being an ex-jockey himself, he was mm. pretty critical of rides sometimes. <laughs> yeah, how oh, could he? He could give you a spray. <laughs> oh, if he didn't think you rode it properly, he would, yes. Yeah. You actually rode Vaux Rogue in his very first race start, which was a two-year-old maiden on the Gold Coast, 18th of January 1986. He ran sixth. He was beaten about 11 lengths. Do you remember your very first impression of him? Yes, I'd ridden him in a couple of jump-outs in that 
early on because he was uh, he was becoming very uh, as they were educating him, he was a bit tardy out of the gates. Mm. Apparently, Vic rode him one morning, and another horse put him up the fence, and he was a bit uh, um, field shy sort of thing after that. Mm. So he kept taking him back to jump outs and trials, and I rode him a few times, and we got him to jump a lot better. Mm. And I rode him that, like you say, that first race start. He he wasn't a big strong horse at, at the time. He was a scrawny type of horse and mm. showed some ability, but uh, he still had a way to go, a fair bit to learn. Mm. Well, he won his first race at his fifth start. It was a maiden at Eagle Farm. He won by five lengths, so he was starting to put it together. And Cyril Small was the jockey. Yes, it was a, a good win, a not-so-strong race, like a two-year-old maiden it was on a midweek, but uh, he got the job done. Well, as he improved and progressed through the grades, Vic decided to take him to Melbourne. Now, he didn't win at his first four Victorian starts with other jockeys on board, but he put two together for you, the Creswick Stakes and the Group 2 Alistair Clark Stakes, and that was the start of a phenomenal winning run down there. Now, Cyril, why was he so good in Melbourne? Was it the anti-clockwise direction or the cooler weather? Because he raced there in the autumn and the spring normally. Yeah, I think uh, he did like that that way of racing. Like he, he uh, when he went to Perth, he went to Perth twice and mm. he won over there one time, and he just liked that way of racing. He just was more tractable going that that direction. Mm. He just it. felt better, did he? He did. He was mm. just more comfortable. Uh, the firm tracks that he was racing on all the time, well, most of the time, was right up his alley. Uh, anything that worse than firm and he, he didn't like it. Mm. Now, if he didn't lead throughout in his wins, he'd work to the lead at some stage of the race. Did you ever go out there with the express intention of riding him back a bit, off the pace. I did win on him one day at Dermot, but it was a very short race. I think it was 11.10, mm. and he was about six lengths off them at the 600. Uh, he had a, a lot of weight. It was a handicap race, I think, yeah. and he he blew them away at the finish, but it was an open company race, but not, not an overly strong one. Mm. Um, well, the day he won his maiden, he was ridden just off the speed, mm. and... Um, Peter Cook also rode him just off the speed yeah. once when he won a race on him in Melbourne. Mm. Can you explain for us the technique you used on Vauro? You'd never hunt him up to lead. You always seem to be letting him do it himself. Yes, well, once he once he got the get, uh, got the idea of getting out of the gates and, and getting into momentum, uh, it was a matter of trying to get him to relax and go a bit slower than he was wanting to go. So that that was my my major uh, concern was just not having him over race too much. Mm. But in the speed that he used to show and uh, putting the other horses off the bit, that was winning him the races. So we didn't want to change that uh, no. that plan. The Group One rankings have changed a hell of a lot since Vo Rogue's day. He's credited with only six Group One wins, which seems ridiculous, because he did win the CF4 stakes three times and the Turnbull stakes once, but back then they were Group 2s. Now they're 1s. Yes, that's right. Yep. 
So he should be in the double figures, shouldn't he? Yes, I'd say so. But uh, it's, you know, his record overall was was very good with twenty six wins. Um, he's, he's the horse that I've won the most races on. Uh, I've won twenty two on him. Mm. There's been a few other horses throughout my career that I've won numerous races on, but not a, no, nowhere near like him. And at the level he was racing at for oh, most of his life, you know, he's a hell of a horse. You've always said his win in the 1989 William Reed Stakes left you gobsmacked. Now, here you are riding a horse whose best distance is probably 2,000 metres and you're up against sprinters like Military Plume and Groucho and Campaign King. So what did he do in that race? Yeah, he flew the lids and uh, showed them a clean pair of heels, was hard on the steel coming to the to the home bend and just increased his speed and... Uh, Held them off then. He yeah. was he was a remarkable, remarkable. Yeah, you were bowled over by that win, weren't you? I was. Yeah. I just didn't expect him. I like, first up from a spell uh, to show that much speed in a in a short race yeah. and and blow those sort of horses away. Yeah, had a touch of freak, didn't he? He did definitely. Oh, yeah, he ran in four Australian Cups, winning it in nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety. He ran second to Better Loosen Up in nineteen ninety one. Now, his first crack at the race was in 1988. He was a $2 favourite. He led, as usual, and was run down by a despised outsider called Dandy Andy. Did the horse feel himself that day? Uh, In himself, he he sort of felt okay, but during the run, he he could tell that he just wasn't picking them up and putting them down as well as normal. Mm. Track was a little bit uh, rain-affected, but... uh, uh, a number of reasons why I think that, that result came about and not taking anything away from the winner. He was a, a handy galloper as well. Mm, dandy, Andy, written by Brent Thompson on the day, wasn't he? That's correct, yes. Yeah, and that goes down as one of the most famous Australian Cups of all time. Yes, it was. Uh, I run into Brett fairly often too, different places all around the world. And yeah. We're always remiss about that. <laughs> mm. You and Vaux Rogue became racing celebrities in Melbourne and you tell one funny story about your visit to the Queen Victoria markets one day with Lindley and uh, you purchased ice creams for yourself and Lindley from a vendor of Greek extract and he said a couple of very funny things to you. Yes, he said, oh, gee, you look a lot like Cyril Small. He said, he, he rides that horse Vaux Rogue and... I was out on the drink with him last night. We had a good time, and he's a really good bloke. I said, Gee, you look a lot like him. Goodness but I, I just arrived off off, uh, off the plane that mm. morning. Jeff had picked us up from the airport, mm. and we were we were on the way back to the to the motel, and we dropped in there. And yeah, he, he said he'd been out with me the night before, but I was interstate. So you let so it I'm play out. I look like somewhere in Melbourne. <laughs> you, you, you let <laughs> it like play out. Party. You didn't say anything. No, no. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Vaux Rogue's trainer, the late Vic Rail, was very different in his methods to conventional trainers, to say the least. In fact, he was d- different in many ways, uh, Vic. Uh, his usual apparel when he was around horses was T-shirt, shorts and thongs. I mean, the last thing you wear around horses uh, are thongs. Was he easy to deal with from a jockey's viewpoint? Yes, I, I didn't have a, a lot to do with him 
as far as um, one-on-one type of thing. But uh, I, <laughs> he was a strange man, and in this day and age, he wouldn't get away with wearing thongs and 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 shorts around in a, in a racing stable anymore because of mm. workplace health and safety. But back in the day, that's that's that was Vic, and he used to do some some funny things. Mm. But he, he didn't think it was funny. He was, he was quite happy. Yeah, and deadly serious. Yeah, deadly serious and quite comfortable. Cyril, i got to tell this little story while we're on the subject of Vic Rail. He had Vaux Rogue in New South Wales for a couple of Sydney runs and he was stabled at Kembla Grange right over at the back of the race course there and I went down one day on the Channel 9 news helicopter to, uh, to get some footage of him and a quick little interview with Vic and he brought the horse out of the stable, stood him up there quietly, or he got a strapper to hang on to him, and he did something uh, I couldn't believe at the time, and I still can't when I look back on it. He walked, he stooped over, he went between the horse's front legs, slid along underneath his belly, crouching, obviously, and he came out between the horse's hind legs. That old horse didn't flinch. Did you ever yeah. see him do that one? I did see him do that one a couple of times. He, <laughs> he was just showing how how placid and how uh, how trusting that horse was of him. Mm. Uh, yeah, he was a remar- he was a good horseman, Vic, and uh, horses horses knew him and they trusted him. Uh, but that that was a he was a particular uh, horse, though he's a special horse, and with his owner Jeff Perry used to spend a lot of time with him. Um, he was a very placid horse. Your affection for Vaux Rogue was clearly demonstrated in your decision to give him a home for life when his racing days were over. He came to your property uh, on the Gold Coast hinterland and he was there until the day he died in 2012, which was a a sad day for the whole family. Yes, he developed um, laminitis in in his front feet and... uh, we had him here on the property and treated him a lot, but uh, most of the time Jeffrey was looking after him. Um, yeah, but uh, he overcome that that, that Ill- illnesses for and got better for a couple of years before he passed. But it was a sad day when when he when he went. But uh, like all good things, they come to an end. Now, Vaux Rogue was raced by Jeff Perry and Gary Roberts. And you've maintained a very close friendship with Jeff Perry, and you joined him earlier this year when the great horse was inducted into the Queensland Racing Hall of Fame. I happened to be watching on the night, and I saw you there on stage with Jeff Perry. It's obvious you've got a great friendship. Yes, it, it has been a great friendship. It still is. Um, been through some hard times, both of us. Jeffrey's. Um, Supporting only one leg at the moment now, and uh, but he makes the best of that and uh, gets on with life. But yes, it's been a good good association over a lot of a lot of years. He's as tough as Beau Rogue, isn't he? Yes, definitely is. Now I happen to know there are two or three very special horses in uh, Cyril's scrapbook and horses for whom he has a real soft spot. One of them was Badour, who won the South Grafton Cup with a 17-year-old Cyril Small on board in July 1977. It was your 108th winner. Yes, that was a, 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 um, a wonderful day for me because I 
I had to get permission to leave school that day to go and ride him. Uh, I think I had two rides that day. The other one went third. I didn't didn't just ride a lot down in Grafton. We were mainly over on the northern circuit, the Ballina, the Wollombar, Lismore Casino circuit. Yeah. But um, he had 47.5 kilos, I think, and I had a bit of history with that horse. My father did train him for a little while earlier on, mm-hmm. and he was also he was my brother's first winner, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as a maidener. But um, then he he moved on to different people, and uh, they needed somebody to ride in the South Grafton Cup that particular day, and mm-hmm. they called upon me, and it was a wonderful result. Did you tip him to the headmaster? You had to wag school, didn't you? No, bro- brother Ed- brother Edmonds wasn't a punter, I don't think, although. <laughs> Our priest, Father Relahan, he used to he used to race a few few dogs back in the day too. Did he? He liked to punt, but I I didn't know any about that sort of thing at that time. No. Now, does the name Chief Mate uh, tug the heartstrings? He was a grey horse, and he was trained of all places at the Creek at Albion Park, and you were riding track work there at one stage. Yeah, well. It was- a long association with his trainer, Kevin Riser, and his family, Sandra, and, and his five kids. And unfortunately, Kevin's passed on, but uh, we had a great association over a number of years with a good few horses, but he, he sort of kicked it all off. He was a bit unruly. Kevin was trying to trying to get him to go around Albion Park. He was actually trained at Dooman, but back in the day, he used to uh, take him down there early in the morning worked them at Albion Park and then go off to work, mm. as did a lot of other people, the Strongs and that used to work all their horses there too. And, uh, my brother and I got this horse, Chief Mate. We assisted Kevin in getting him to to be, not become unruly and mm. got him to the race track. And, and I did win, go on to win seven races on him mm. over a number of years. He had 30 or 40 starts, but yeah. I was the only, only jockey ever to win on him. Yeah, it's hard to win seven on anything, isn't it, Cyril? That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. He was a he was a good galloper, but uh, just had a bit of a mind of his own. But we got on very, very well. Well, your friend and mine, the wonderful Pam O'Neill, the history-making, trailblazing lady jockey whose efforts and dedication paved the way for female riders to be licensed in Australia. And Pam will tell you her all-time favourite racehorse was Super Snack, which won a stack of races. Obviously, she was on board in most of those wins, but whenever she was unavailable, Cyril Small got the job. Yes, there was a few occasions over a long period of time, actually. I remember riding the first time I rode him, I, Pam was unable to ride for some reason. She might have been suspended or, or injured, I'm not sure, but... December uh, 91, I won on him at Eagle Farm. Um, to, to everybody's delight, uh, he was a very popular horse and I, I was able to go on and win a couple of more on him. December 92 and then way back, way on, further down the track in 94 at Eagle Farm. Again, as a, over a long period of time, we used to join up every now and then. If you walk into Pam's home in Brisbane to this day, you'll find a beautiful oil painting of Super Snack uh, with pride of place on the lounge room wall. Yes, she did love that horse. It was, it was bought especially for her to for her to ride, but there was a couple of occasions that she couldn't, and I was very, very fortunate to be, to be able to take the reins. 
Shortly before your association with Vaux Rogue began, you married the girl of your dreams, your wonderful wife Lindley, the mother of your three kids. Not only is this lady a successful horse trainer, but she was also conferred last year with the title of Doctor of Philosophy after completing a three-year course while working full-time at Griffith University on the Gold Coast. What a remarkable achievement. Yes, she's a wonderful woman and uh, it was, um, I'm very proud of her to, to get that doctorate and uh, it's a milestone in her career and um, most people take four or five years to, to go through what she did and she did in about two and a half mm. whilst, whilst also nursing me back from my injuries, my broken, broken back. She doesn't insist that you call a professor. No, not as yet. <laughs> right. Lindley has no horses racing currently, but you tell me she recently purchased one from Victoria, which she's yet to get started on. Yes, he arrived a few days ago. Um, he's a horse of seven, year, seven years of age and had 35 starts or so and mm-hmm. been over the jumps and he's won a couple of races, but we we just might be able to turn him around and, Mm. Have a bit of fun with him whilst we're waiting for our three-year-old to mature a little bit more. She bought him the year before as a as a young horse, and we broke him in, and she named him Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave, what a good name! Yes, yeah, name name. She thought about it for a lot and named him after the Australian heroes, the firefighters, mm. the hospital staff, and the police that have done wonderful jobs over many years. Yeah. Especially the last few years with the bushfires and, and now with coronavirus and that sort of thing. Mm. You know, just, you, you watch these articles on TV and it brings a tear to your eye. Mm. And that's why she's uh, named him after them because yeah. hopefully he'll be as brave as them. What a lovely sentiment. Mm. Now, your boys are both very competent riders, Cyril. Braden, already highly regarded as a jumps jockey in Victoria. He gave you a hell of a scare when he suffered multiple injuries in a nasty fall. That must have been last year. Yes, John, yep. Mm. Um, he's come through that reasonably well and uh, got to go back for a regular, like, 12 monthly checkups and that now. But um, he got back in the saddle and uh, had a few rides this season, but the season's now come to an end. So he'll be back bigger and better next year, I think. Cyril, we'll just pause for a moment on the podcast to clear a commitment. Back with you after this. Group racing will command most attention in September, but there are two outstanding showcase country meetings coming up later in the month. On Thursday the 24th, the Lismore Turf Club will present the $75,000 Lismore Cup with three other $50,000 races on the program. On Sunday the 27th, Bathurst Thoroughbred Racing will host the Panorama worth $80,000-$40,000 Bathurst Cup with all other races to carry $30,000. Other country cups coming up in late September are the Manila Cup at Gunnedah, the Gerildery and Grenfell Cups all on the same day, September the 26th, and the Lilypilly Cup at Leeton on Monday the 28th. Kick October off, the Maruya Jockey Club will host the $35,000 Bateman's Bay Cup on Friday the 2nd. New South Wales country racing goes cup crazy in the spring.
Talking with Cyril Small, your eldest son is Daniel, and his working life also revolves around horses. Yes, um, from a young age, uh, I put him on. Used to put him on the horses in the in the back stable at at, uh, at Doomben, and uh, we had a little paddock. We had a few couple of horses, uh, sort of spelling in. We'd go down and ride those, the two boys, and uh, whenever they got a chance, they'd either go down to my father's property early on, and and then later on um, they were out to Ripley to Bob Bayless's property and learnt to do a bit of mustering and mm. the finer finer um, horsemanship. Uh, Bob, Bob put the polish on, on them. He was one of the, the leading um, um, clerk of the course yep. and radio riders around the area and uh, he taught them a lot. But, uh, yeah, they're very very good horsemen, both of them. You can't ride racehorses for 50 years without injury. You've had your share of falls, you've had your share of broken bones, but the daddy of them all, as you mentioned earlier, occurred at the Gold Coast in 2002. You were riding a horse that day called King's Cross for Trevor Fay, and the horse actually shattered a shoulder in the home straight and went down, and your injury list, Cyril, was horrendous. Yes, John, I don't remember a lot about the race, but I... I do remember the early part and then and going down and then I was uh, in the ambulance and whatnot. But, uh, I remember all the recovery time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, I come out of that fairly, fairly lucky, I think. Mm-hmm. Overall, only seven, seven broke cracked crack vertebrae, but uh, mm-hmm. they all mended. Broken nose? Oh, yeah, busted up face and yeah. a bit of re- reconstruction there, but it didn't make me look any better. You were still having bone grafts two years after the fall. Yes, that was just to replace a bit of the bone in my in my upper upper jaw type thing. Mm. Well, you got back eleven months later, and you rode a winner pretty quickly. A horse called Quite Smitzer for your old friend Lynn Payton, who is still a supporter. Yes, uh, we go back a fair while now, and we've had a fair bit of success all around the country. We even went out to um, Birdsville. Uh, actually, we went to Birdsville uh, a couple of weeks before I had my fall, mm. and we had a couple of winners out there. Took a, took a couple of truckloads out. Mm. It was an experience. Oh, wouldn't it be? And plenty of dust. Uh, there was a fair bit of dust there, <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was a good, really, really good uh, time away, and uh, just for the weekend, I flew out. I didn't drive out, thank goodness, mm. but it was even long, a long flight even there on a small plane. You've always enjoyed a trip away. You've ridden at places in recent times like Warrnambool, Casterton and Streaky Bay in South Australia. Yes, well, uh, we go down, try to go down regularly uh, every year for the May Carnival to watch Braden riding at the jumps and uh, whenever I do go down there, I try and pick up a ride here and there. And um, look, that, that particular year, um, Paul... Paul Hamlin got in touch with me and said, "Very short of jockeys at, at Streaky Bay on the on the Saturday. Could I come and fill in a few few spots and take a few mm. horses around?" So we organised to get down there a bit earlier and caught a small plane with Paul and the stewards and mm. flew out to Streaky Bay and went through the race meeting that day. And I didn't have any success, but Paul did. But yeah. um, and then we come back and I went to um, cast it or whatever it was the next day and. Yeah. 
You really enjoy it. Now, these horses that you've never seen before, in many cases you would never have heard of them before, you don't make any inquiries, you just turn up and jump on them. Yes, well, I, yeah, very early on when I was first apprenticed, um, there was a lot of horses that I won on the first time I ever rode them, mm. not ever seen them previously, and I don't know, they just they just ran for me. And mm. It was a good, good um, success story. Keith Ballard is an interesting name in your neck of the woods. He's 65 years old. He's almost certainly Queensland's oldest active jockey. And as recently as the 5th of September, he had four rides at a Mount Isa meeting for two winners and two seconds. You'd yes, know he's a, Keith, he's a of course. Keith, I know, I yeah. know Keith and, and Dan Ballard, his, uh, his, his son. Mm-hmm. He rides as well, and um, they work in a couple of different places in Mount Isa, but they travel everywhere. They they clock up a lot more miles than what I do, that's for sure. It's just possible, though, at 61, you may well be Queensland's second most senior rider. Well, as far as I know, I am, I think. Mm. Yeah, until somebody comes out of the woodwork and tells me otherwise. <laughs> Well, 50 years of professional race riding is a noble and reachable goal, and I know you'll be chipping away at it for another three and a half years. Stay fit and healthy, Cyril. We wish you well, and it's a delight to have you on the podcast this morning. Thank you very much, John, for those kind words. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.